Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Hi, everyone. Elaine and Diane here. And we know that you want your complex kids to grow up to be happy and independent. And yet you're not always sure how or when to help with that. In this podcast, we'll encourage you to collaborate with all kinds of complex kids and support them in navigating life and learning. And we'll interview leading experts from around the world, as well as parents in our own community, talking about how training for parents actually helps these complex kids. We'll talk about the issues we hear parents struggling with all the time and how a coach approach can support and empower your amazing young people. We won't tell you what to do. We're going to help you figure out how. So let's move on to the next conversation. Welcome back, everybody, to another conversation in the Parenting with Impact podcast. I'm super psyched to have a conversation with the one and only Dorothy Liu. Dorothy, welcome. Hi. I'm so happy she's here. You guys, I've known Dorothy for kind of a few years. I've known Dorothy longer than I've known Diane, right? Really? I never knew that. I think so. Yeah. And we have the privilege of having her in our world as as one of the fabulous bench coaches at Impact Parents. And she is an amazing uh, and accomplished coach in her own right, in her own practice. And so today we're going to have a conversation that's part guest expert and part success story, because you can't do one without the other with Dorothy. So really excited you're here. And what I want you to start with is tell us a little bit about sort of the work that you do with families of complex kids and how you came to be here, because this is certainly not where you started, even as a coach. Um, gosh, how did I start? Well, I, I think that I I ended up here because I've always, I've always been treating people raise kids. Yeah. I at one point thought I wanted to be a teacher and then I didn't. And, uh, but I've always been really involved with anything to do with education and mostly as a parent. And yeah. um, in this case, I, um, we actually ended up, I tried to be perfect. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I realized there were so many, so many other parents, mom, tiger moms like me who want to be really, really good at this. And it's really hard to find out that even though you're trying to be really, really good at it, that uh, your kid is their own person. Yeah. Fascinating, isn't it? Amazing, right? (laughs) I mean, you know, like I tell people all the time, like, well, you know, who they are is who they are. Like, you know, you see them when they're two and, you know, they're 22 and you're like, oh, I I knew you then. Yeah. (laughs) You still do that. And so, you know, there's this whole thing about trying to create this environment where they become amazing and perfect. And, uh, and sometimes your kid has other plans. Well, often their perfection doesn't actually match our notion of perfection. It's not that they're not perfect. They're just as Bex likes to say, perfectly imperfect. Yeah. <laughs> but they are not perfectly matching the roadmap we create for them. That's right. And That's right. You know, my, my husband, sometimes uh, when I sort of go off on my, whatever, my, my own path, he's like, not your journey, not your journey. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, not my journey. Yeah. But that's that's a hard lesson as a parent, particularly when you see the capacity of these amazing kids. Yeah. It's really hard to to not want to kind of shape the journey. And that's what we are as coaches, right? Like as coaches in general, it is all about helping people find actualizing their optimal 
potential. Right. right. We see all this greatness and we just want them to have it. So you weren't always a coach. So let's let's no. go back to like your world connected to coaching because you were a consultant for years, right? I was a consultant for years. I was in high tech for years from business development, product marketing and consulting and strategy. And I think that the one thing that has been the common thread throughout is that I just I really love a human puzzle. I, I love trying to understand what matters to a particular person or audience or business, and then to somehow figure out what's going to provoke them into an action that they want. Ooh, that's a great description of coaching in a yeah. lot of ways, isn't it? Yeah. And so, you know, coaching, I think, is really the canonical example of what that is, only this time. Um, it's really that they are empowered to decide what happens to them. Yeah. And we just get to open that space. Right. And it's such a privilege to be in that position, isn't it? It's just, I mean, I oftentimes can't believe this is my job. Yeah. You get to do this, right? Yeah, you get to do this. So, so, but you're, you're, what's, tell, tell us a little bit about the path that brought you from your work to our work. Aside from the fact when you like we said, I'm looking for bench coaches and I don't know what it, I just said, me, I think I just like, <laughs> well, you I, guys, you know, I go for the best and then I, I just reel them in. <laughs> I know this is really weird, but how about me? You know, I think that it's, so two things is in my, like the main part of my own practice, it's leadership and personal development. And most of my clients either by design or by accident, I'm not always totally sure. A lot of them are um, first generation immigrant, a lot of Asian, sometimes, you know, second or third generation Asian. Um, But there are a lot of common threads to all of that about expectation, filial piety, you know, respect for the hierarchy. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and so when I work with them, one thing that comes up all the time is like, oh, I work, you know, you are working at your job for 50 or 60 hours a week, 24 seven. And oftentimes that dance between family life and work life becomes a jig, (laughs) (laughs) a jig, a jig, a foxtrot and, you know, the hustle all at once. And and nothing could have brought that home for any of us more than COVID, right? Yeah, because it was all in one space. Right. All in one space. And and so I think that dance, like I just, I mean, I was like that. I was a working mom for, you know, for years. And I was, I crafted a a business and a work style that enabled me to do both. Mm-hmm. But not everybody does that, you know. And certainly, you know, when we were talking about early generation or, you know, next generation, first generation families, there are a lot of other things at play, Um, you know, cross-cultural expectations, trying to be, you know, in my, in my world, you know, like, you know, being American born Chinese, ABC, um, you know, sometimes the Asian stuff comes up, the Chinese stuff comes up and other times the American stuff comes up and they don't always line up perfectly. Uh You know, I remember when I was a kid, there was always this question as a Jewish American. It was like, are you an American Jew or are you a Jewish American? Right. And I imagine that was that's that's very similar to what you're describing is that where does my affinity lie? Where does my how do I define myself? And it's you know, and I think that the other part that's hard is that we don't look you know, we don't look American. 
Like I used to joke around that the only place I felt that I could be both sides of myself was Hawaii because I could be Asian and American. Mm-hmm. And they actually pronounced my last name correctly, which was sort of a, you know, an amazing thing. So there's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a complex web, but I like to think that, especially, you know, for the parenting piece, helping other parents navigate, you know, when, when to front foot culture and tradition and when to back foot that, when is it a parenting thing versus a Chinese thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your relationship with coaching. Did you become a coach before you got coaching or did you get coaching and then become a coach? I wanted to be a coach when I first quit my corporate job, but I felt a little swishy for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like 20, 20 years ago, more than 20 years ago. Because okay. all that was life coaching, which I'm like, well, it's not really that. And it was really when I decided it was time to pivot away from consulting and I got coached by a coach I knew. Yeah. (laughs) Happy to both know. Yeah. (laughs) And he was really helpful in keeping me focused on what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And even if it wasn't the most lucrative or the most aggressive outcome, it was my outcome. Mm -hmm. And from that, I really, 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 understood then what it meant to live my values and why when we live when we stray from them it can create a really untenable situation like it just it's yeah. hard to live yeah when you are out of sync with your values you feel out of sync with yourself and so yes yeah, so that's i mean you know part of it part of becoming a coach is like you want this for other people because you see the power but also i think that you know going back to the idea of the human puzzle it's just a kind of puzzle. Yeah. Only this time it's somebody else's puzzle to put together and you're just creating yeah. a board. I, yeah, yeah. And just creating space. And it's, you know, it's, it's nothing is more gratifying. So let's bring it into the, into the realm of neurodiverse complex families. Um, Cause at some point along your journey, you and your husband sought out coaching for yourselves as a couple, as parents. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. To the, whatever extent that you're comfortable. <laughs> oh, no, it's like, so I'm going to try, I'll, I'll try not to process too much. So, you know, I talked about being a tiger mom and trying really hard not to be one. So, you know, my kid didn't have to play the violin or take piano or go to even go to Saturday Chinese. She had to do any of those things. And, and I'm like, okay, so I was going to be one of those untigered moms. What basically ended up happening was I was just creating perfection somewhere else. So if she did soccer, she had to be, you know, she had to get access to the right camps. If she had, you know, she wanted to like learn art. I found this amazing cartoon, you know, cartoonist who does, you know, and, and so then it was like, oh, it was just the same, just a different place. So tiger mom of a different stripe. Is how mm-hmm. I, I describe it. And, yeah. and I think that, you know, when that happens, even if you don't say you're doing that level of investment in your kid, they feel it. Yeah. They feel it. And, and she used to tell me, I hate it when you talk about me and tell people what I do. And I'm like, but I think it's amazing, mm-hmm. you know, and that's true. And my intent was not to embarrass her or make her anxious, but the impact was exactly that. Yeah. And then so by high school, she was in crisis. And, you know, it's just I had been trying so hard. <laughs> getting yeah. all. 
been trying so hard to do the right things and give her everything, you know, and she needed and empower her to ask for the things she needed to. And it didn't quite turn out that way. Well, you know, it's, it's what's coming up for me is, is, is how much we want for our kids. Yeah. And what happens is our wanting for them, they begin to feel as wanting from them. Yeah. They experience us as wanting from them when we think we're just wanting for them. And I know this is semantics, but wow, it's so important. But that that nuance is everything. Yeah. It's it's everything. And, And so she was in crisis. And the therapist, you know, so we went to therapy and it's just, I'm like, you know what, you know, I don't want, especially in Asian communities, we don't talk about mental health Mm -hmm. and I don't want that to happen to us because I didn't feel supported when I was her age because it just wasn't spoken of. And, and so let's just find out because I can tell you what I don't want to have happen to you. And so when she was going through her process, they suggested parent coaching for my husband and me, which we did together. And, you know, there was, which there was, was rare. So I just want to acknowledge how even like that anybody even suggested that you go um, to parent coaching was so unusual. Yeah. You know, and, even lucky um, with that. And, and so, you know, I mean, I think that that is what I am really grateful for to have a partner who like, okay, we're you know, like, to actually, for us to actually have the humility and say, okay, we need to do something different. And and there's all sorts of things, right? There's guilt, there's fear, there's shame, there's, you know, the, all the feelings, right? Like, you know, we failed her. Well, and then all those expectations on top yeah. of it, just. Yeah. And we had also, you know, people had told us like for, from the time she was little, you guys are amazing, amazing parents. You should have more kids. And we're like, okay, I'd be the parents we are, we had more children. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, but, you know, that was, you know, so we're, we were getting validation too, right? Like, oh, we're really good at this. And to find out like, oh, yeah, not, not great. But well, yeah. I want to stop you for a minute, just because I, I know you and love you so well. It's like you were great in some areas and not in others. And there were some things that, that you needed to shift or change or improve, but that doesn't mean you weren't a great parent. And I think that that is, I'm glad you said that. And it's a good reminder. I think that that is one of the things that we forget, that we're not bad parents. We're better parents because we have different skills. Yeah. As once we move into this coach approach, you know, we had a therapist once that David and I met with who used to say, good parenting is damage control. It's (laughs) not about whether you're going to screw up your kids. You're going to, it's just about how and what you do to mitigate it. You know, it's a, when my kid graduated from high school, she said, she's like, did I turn out the way you hoped? And I said, well, you know, way more. And I said, but we only had three goals. And I said, one was for you to always love learning, to be curious, to make more good decisions than bad and to stay alive till you were 18. If we did, if we could do those three things, you were going to be fine. And she said, that is a really low bar. And I have no <laughs> idea how high that bar is. Uh, actually, that's not so low. Um, yeah, it's not low. No. I, I would add to that. We, we wanted them to stay, stay alive till they were 18 without ever being a guest or a municipality of any state. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she never, yeah, she never took her, you know, she didn't go to jail. Didn't she never go. got arrested. Yeah. That was, that was <laughs> success, you know. Never now you're on your own. Yeah. 
So, okay. So what happened for you two when you got parent coaching? And I mean, now you're doing parent coaching, but, but when you first started, what shifted for you, for the three of you, really? I think it was a slower recognition for my kid, right? Mm-hmm. Because. Because they're kids. They're kids. And then, you know, are you coaching me right now? Like, you know, uh, like maybe. <laughs> like, Never without permission. Maybe. Masking your permission. Not on, on purpose. Yeah. And, you know, I think that what shifted, you know, it, well, one is, you know, I talked about my relationship with perfection. My coach, his powerful question to me, he'd asked me, how's it going? I said, well, it's not perfect, but it's pretty good. And he just said, stop. He said, yes. give me an operational definition of perfection. I couldn't. I mean, I, yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't. Yeah. And that was sort of the opening because there was a whole Coach, I should know how to do this. Well, and I think parents feel like that. It's natural. I should know how. And, you know, I think, you know, I talked about grief. And I think that no matter how much we want to say, yes, we want our kid to be who they are. And there's always some sort of expectation. Yeah. Whether it doesn't have to be an achievement oriented. You want them to be happy. You want them to be safe. You want them to be healthy. And then when those don't happen, you have to completely change your strategy or you, yeah. you, you have to shift your strategy, I should say. But there is this grieving of like, oh, I thought it was going to be this. And that playbook just went out the window. I need well, a new one. You know, I had this really interesting discussion with my my middle kid. She was about 24, I think, at the time. And about this notion of grieving. And I was saying, you know, you have to grieve the loss of the kid you thought you were going to have so you can embrace the kid you've got. And in particular, we were talking about gender related stuff. And she said, that's not fair. And you shouldn't be. And, And I said, no, no, no. This is true for any parent of any child. You have to grieve the loss of the child you thought you were going to have so that you can allow this being to be their own autonomous being, because every single parent goes in to parenting with some vision of what they thought it was going to be like. And yeah, then she was like, oh, okay, I can do that. <laughs> because, yeah, because I think the first thing they think is, oh, you had all these expectations. Right. Right. And I'm not meeting those expectations. And, yeah. you know, especially with, you know, our, our Gen Z kids, right? There are all these, you know, I hear this all the time. Oh, that is so hetero, heteronormative mom. Right? <laughs> well, yep, yeah, it is. And so, you know, I learn, right? So we learn. And I think that we, you know, that's how we grow as parents too. Like I remember having a few conversations as we were sort of shifting the way we we operate in our home. And and I said, you know, I've never been the parent of a 16-year-old before. Ooh. So I'm gonna screw up. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, I had so. no excuse with the second two kids, though. <laughs> well, you could say I've never been the parent of a 16-year-old who's the middle second. child. Right? Yeah. <laughs> middle child has a whole nother bunch of, you know. Whole and so I think that that, so one is the grief. The second is the humility that we are, that it is a, it is always a work in progress. Yeah. Because we're, yeah. Here. Yeah. And that, that is a, that's a life lesson. They'll kick you, won't it? In the, yeah. And push you forward. Like, like, my cousin, my my young, I have a younger cousin who now has three boys. But with the first one, I remember at some point we were on the phone. She's like, I just need to get through the next six months and then everything will be easy. I'm like, uh-huh. yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. How's that going for you? <laughs> I know. So, and then she gets more. <laughs> okay. So 
You came to impact and we're over time. So we're going to go a little longer, but I, I want to bring it to, because I want the listeners to hear who you are as a coach on our bench, right? So what was it? Cause you did raise your hand and you're like, yeah. And I, and I remember pushing you a little bit. I'm like, are yeah. you sure you want to do this? Cause you know, and I'm thrilled to have you guys. I'm Nine. so happy to have Dorothy on our bench. It's amazing. <laughs> and I, you know, I did push at you a little bit cause this is not where you came from. It's not. Um, and I wanted to have someone who who could represent uh, people of color. And I wanted to have somebody who could represent corporate. And I wanted to have someone on my bench who, who have all the, the extraordinary stuff and, and wisdom that you bring. So what happened when you got here? What was important about it to you? Well, one is that I experienced the impact of good coaching mm. and I think my disappointment in myself was a really was, is, and can still be one of the more challenging aspects of being a mom, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's an evolving role you have. Right. And, but, you know, when we get into the space of executive function, anxiety, depression, or diversity, it's, we don't have to suffer as much as we think we do. Mm -hmm. And I wanted that for other parents. And I mean, I see it all the time with my, my typical like corporate or leadership, you know, the the professional folks who also are parents. Yeah. And the way you lead at home can be the way you lead at work and the way you lead at work can be the way you lead at home. And I, I had a client who's an immigrant. He's, he's the actual immigrant and his kids are born in the U S and I said, well, how is this different from at home? She's like, oh, totally different from my kids at home. And I mean, so I'm like, oh, that, that, how's, that, how's that working for you? But I think that that is, that is sort of that nuance of where I like to work, where, um, you know, a lot of my clients, I sometimes hear you, especially for the immigrants, they're like, well, I wasn't born here. So how am I supposed to know? And I guess my, my point of view is you can know. Mm-hmm. You can know. And you don't have to sacrifice the fact that you have an immigrant mindset or that your kids are American and you were born somewhere else. Um, It's just shifting their perspective on being curious about their, their kids as people. Right. And And I think as neurodivergent people, and that there are all these gifts that come with it, right? Like, like my, my kid is a fabulous artist. Mm -hmm. She is incredibly creative like she went down to the Ikea store and bought a bunch of those blue bags. And next thing you know, she's made a pair of pants and a hat and a jacket. <laughs> no pattern. I don't even know who thinks of that. Right. But she did. Yeah. And, and so there's this capacity to seek the strength and the, and the gift in, in where she is and where they are when we talk about our community. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that for us also, I mean, for me, I think this happens really often um, with her diagnosis of ADHD came mine. Yeah. And um, and now I understand, like, I've always know, known that we are sort of similar, like our quirky our quirks are similar. Now I know why a lot of them are the way they are. Mm-hmm. Um and so one of the most valuable parenting pieces of advice I got from a friend many, many years ago before I became mom was um, she's like, I need to be living the life 
in a way that I want my kid to live. Mm-hmm. Even and if they don't I, end up living it that way. It's not living <laughs> my life. Yeah, not living right. the way I do, but with the same, you know, sort of being independent, being, you know, being standing, you know, standing your ground, knowing what you believe in, you know, trusting your gut. Yeah. Being courageous. Yeah. So if we're not doing those things, then how can we even ask our, our kids to? And ro- growing up as a kid is a courageous act. Yes. In so many ways. Yeah. So one last question before we wrap, yeah. I want to ask you how, you know, a lot of people in my realm, you know, especially in this, as we're having these conversations, we do a lot of work around teaching coaching skills to parents and other professionals. You're already a coach. And so for you, you learned a lot about neurodiversity. Mm-hmm. How has that changed or improved your coaching? I think that, you know, it's funny when I, when I do parent coaching through impact, right. There, there's a, a really, I guess, straightforward, logical framework and how mm-hmm. we help parents, right. Like right. The model. What I find really fascinating is as we move into like some, so some of my clients, we start shifting conversations around their neurotypical kids. Right. Model is still true. Yeah. So it's, it's like, it's not just about neurodiverse kids. It's about how we as parents see, see our kids as people. Yeah. And, you know, when we like look at the stage of, you know, creating empower, helping them develop into empowered individuals. I've even seen parents like, Oh, my husband doesn't you know, know how to do this. I can give him the words. Mm-hmm. Now the whole family dynamic is different. Because the parents are much more aware of seeing where their kids are or where their parent is, meeting where they are, and slowing everything down so they can move forward. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for that. I love that. So, so Dorothy, how can people find out? And I, we'll put a link in so obviously they can find you on the impact website, so impact website. but where and else then, can people find you? Um, and then my own website is uh resonant R E S O N A N T dash strategies. And we'll put the link in the show notes that resonant resonant strategies with a hyphen in between the two words. Yep.com. Dot com. Excellent. Um, link to bio. We will definitely include that. Okay. So wrap it up. What is, what have we not said, or what have we said that you want to highlight? How do we want to wrap this up for people? What do you want to leave our listeners with? I think the, I think it's really, I don't think there are bad parents. I think there are good parents who just need skills and they become better parents with skills. Love that. Yeah, become better parents with skills. And do you have a favorite quote or motto you want to leave us with? My favorite quote. Okay, I made this one up and I do have a dry sense of humor, but it is you get the kids you deserve. <laughs> and, and I would say, so I said, you know, I, I said it somewhat sarcastically, but not, not totally, I guess. So I wanted my kid to be independent and sort of, you know, her own person. And I got that in spades. Yep. We grew, I grew up careful you know, what you wish for. You wish oh, yeah, for it. yeah. It's like I said, you know, I, I think I spent a lot of my life trying to fit in and, you know, we have totally raised her to lean into her weird. And yeah. now she's like, oh, how did you let me be so weird? And like, oh, but isn't it great? Aren't you amazing? Are you amazing? Yeah. 
So yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did get Beautiful. the cancer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, folks, as we wrap up this conversation, I want to ask you to take a moment for yourself. What are you taking away from today? What insight are you gleaning from this conversation with Dorothy that you want to bring forward with you into the week? This is not just an exercise of information. Coaching is always about taking that information and putting it into action. So what's your insight and how do you want to apply it this week? And as we wrap up this conversation, as always, I want to thank you for what you're doing, for tuning in, for listening, for doing your own work, for doing what you're doing for yourself and for your kids. It makes a difference, really. Take care, everybody. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast. Behavior therapy training for parents is actually recommended as a first-line treatment for complex kids. For information about Sanity School, our training program for parents or teachers, which has helped thousands of families around the globe, visit impactparents.com slash sanity school. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.